While we believe the information in this broadcast is reliable, we cannot guarantee its accuracy. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Please consult your financial professional before making any investment decisions. Investment advisory services are offered through Precision Capital Management and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. The firm only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. SEC registration is not an endorsement of the firm by the commission and does not mean that the advisor has attained a specific level of skill or ability. Fiduciary duty extends solely to investment advisory advice and does not extend to other activities such as insurance or broker-dealer services. Advisory clients are charged a quarterly fee for assets under management while insurance products pay a commission which may result in a conflict of interest regarding compensation. Welcome to Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group. Each Saturday morning at 8.30, listen in to successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts, Rick Durkee, Eric Cox, and Leslie Haywood. And great Saturday morning, low country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business, heard exclusive here on 94.3 WSC every Saturday morning from 8.30 to 9. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cox. As usual, with the lovely and talented Leslie Haywood, thank you for joining us. I know it seems earlier today for some reason. You know why? Was it the turkey? You have a turkey hangover. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, if you're I'm like me, it. you woke up this morning and you had uh, turkey and eggs. <laughs> turkey. And for lunch, we're having uh, <laughs> turkey sandwiches. Turkey sandwich and yep. turkey tetrazzini. And we could force gump this turkey, whole turkey thing. Meatloaf tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so happy. Thanksgiving weekend, everyone. It's not only yes. Thanksgiving weekend in the Low Country, but obviously we have a huge football game tonight. Do you know what it is, Leslie? No, I don't know the foosball. Mm. You Clemson, know, I'm Carolina. Not... Oh gosh, big game. That is, I don't know how I didn't know that. Huge game. Huge game. You're so, right. I don't. Yeah, I know. I'm Everybody's not fired spice. up, ready for the game tonight. Uh, good luck to both teams as the outcome of that has immense bearing on the national championship. Go so. Tigers. I am. I am okay. Yeah. That's, right. I'm going to just, you know, tip my For, for the sake there. of my household, although I'm not really uh, leaning one way or the other, for the sake of my household, I will say go Gamecocks for this one. Oh, okay. So. Okay. That way I at least get more turkey when I get home today. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, welcome again to Beyond the Business. Yes. People you know, stories you don't. And make sure and follow us beyond Saturday mornings on Facebook and uh, also on Twitter at BTBCHS. Um, So for the past two weeks, we've been talking to Cheryl Etheridge and David Lewis. They were the co-owner. They are the co-owners of Amada Senior Care. And um, that was awesome finding out about what makes them tick and what drove them to leave corporate, the corporate world for entrepreneurship. And, you know, as I've noticed with um, a lot of our guests, it's something usually major in their personal lives that sort of inspires, if you will, that leap of faith. For Cheryl, it was an aging mother who needed a comprehensive home health care and couldn't find it. And for David, it was his um, epiphany that his work-life balance was way out of balance. So together they went in on a franchise, Amada Senior Care. And I mean, that's just kind of how things roll. So it's just funny how people's personal lives really are intertwined in how and why they make certain business decisions. And what there's are- uh, intertwined more than most because as yes. uh, we know, they were a first cousin. Yes. As business owners, which I don't think we've had that on the show before. No, so, uh, no, it was I very know. cool to hear their upbringing, how their families, and then ultimately they're in business together. So, yeah, great show. If for some reason you missed that show uh, or the last two weeks' uh, shows, you can go online to our website at coastalwm.com. 
and you'll see a podcast right up there in the top right-hand corner. Click on that, and not only will we have Cheryl and David's show, but you also have the last, oh, 18 to 20 shows that you can listen to while you have nothing to do binge listen. over this great holiday weekend. Yes, binge listen to us all weekend long. So who do we have this week? Well, you want to talk about a champion, somebody that over a holiday weekend takes the time to come in and share their stories with our listeners. Oh, true. I mean, that is rock star status. So yes. uh, we're fortunate to have Melissa Barker in the studio, who is the founder of Mel Barmar Marketing Firm here in Charleston, as well as also the founder of Women Entrepreneurs of Charleston. We're going to hear a lot more about both of those. But first of all, Melissa, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. How was your holiday? It was wonderful. Yeah, it was a lot of good time away from work and with family, which is what the doctor ordered. So you know what's cool about a a show like this? This is because it's on a holiday. It's a little different. So there's a lot of folks probably from Charleston that are traveling. But there's all these folks that are from here originally that are here. So there's people listening to the show this morning that might not otherwise listen to it. So uh, hopefully you're ready to give them a great show. I certainly am. No pressure. That's right. (laughs) With that note, Leslie. I know. I know. So uh, like we do with this show, we like to go way, way, way back and go into those early childhood influences. But first and foremost, a quick elevator pitch, 30 second. Tell us what is Mel Bar Mar? Yeah, absolutely. So Mel Bar Mar, it's a digital marketing studio. I have had the pleasure of working with some of the world's most iconic and valuable brands over the last 10 years of my career. And today I take what I know about marketing on a global scale and I bring it to small to medium sized businesses. And as we mentioned uh, a few seconds ago, you are also the Falmer. Falmer. That's great. You're the Falmer. You're the Falmer. That's uh, turkey yeah, that time. turkey is getting to me. You are the founder of an entrepreneur at Charleston. This is going to be a long show, folks. Uh, tell us a little bit about what the We of C is all about. Yeah, absolutely. So we call it We of C, uh, and it is for women by women entrepreneurial education. So really simply, I find women experts and we get together once a month and we also connect online and we teach women how to become better, more effective business owners. And we had the pleasure of doing an event a while back over the college. We collaborated we sure did. Uh, with Coastal Wealth Management and uh, we have seen and uh, got a chance to see a little bit about what you guys do. What a great organization that is that you've uh, started, developed, and it's, I know, getting a lot of uh, momentum as you're Moving into 2018. It sure is. We launched in April with 25 women, really just with an idea that Charleston was lacking some infrastructure where we we brought women together specifically, not to network or to business, you know, do biz dev, but to learn, uh, to learn the skill sets that you need to be a business owner, because it's not just about honing your craft, right? Um, It's about really understanding how to run a company effectively. Well, and that's why you're here today to share a little bit of that with our listeners I know, and uh, I can't wait. dive into the entrepreneurship I know. waters but today. First, hey, let's let's get to know who Melissa is and what makes Melissa Melissa. So let's go back to those early years. Tell us where were you born? I was born in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. Oh, Florida girl. You gotcha. would only know it if you golf or surf. It's <laughs> a tiny little community right outside of Jacksonville. Right outside of Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And and do you have any brothers or sisters? And what, what did your parents do? Yep, I do. I have an older sister. She lives in New Orleans. And I have a older brother who is still in St. Augustine, Florida. My father owned a very successful architectural firm. And so I grew up crawling, literally crawling the hallways of his office, which I think later had a big effect on me. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom and put us in every sport 
imaginable and drove us around in the minivan. Um, and oh, I uh, love a minivan. Yep, it was I a great s- way to grow up. I'm a minivan mom. <laughs> so when you uh, think back to childhood, um, give us a, a sense what the household was like. Again, you've got dad that owns a business, mom staying at home. But what was it like around the kitchen table? Oh, man. Uh, it was family first. It was always family first. Um, my mom was really, really committed to us having opportunities that she didn't have. She didn't grow up doing a whole lot of sports. Um, she wasn't involved in a whole lot of activities, really, just because of the, the city that she was born in. She was born in a little rural, rural town in Virginia. And so she had her heart set on my brother, my sister, and I having the opportunity to do everything. Try everything once. Don't say no. The least they can tell you is no. Um, and that's how it was. So I did everything from piano, singing, acting, modeling, wow. gymnastics. Yep, we all had our sports. And then the other thing is we all had to support one another. I went to every single one of my brother's soccer games. I went to every single one of my sister's dance competitions. They sat begrudgingly for four-hour gymnastics meets on my behalf. And that's just how it was. And right. I didn't know any different. Right. You just you were it was a team effort, group effort. That's awesome. Absolutely. What kind of student were you in those early years? I was a straight A student. Yes, I was. Now, you're not a firstborn, though, right? You said I'm the baby. You're the baby. Okay, I am the baby. Um, But I think that's I get that from my dad. We're a quick learn. So, Melissa, as a youngster, um, thinking about the future, did you have entrepreneurship on the brain or did you have some other career path you thought you were going to pursue? Absolutely not. Uh, I wanted to be the CMO of a big company. So you wanted wanted. to work for somebody else. I did. I did. For as long as I can remember, I remember sitting in my living room after dinner watching Seinfeld as a family because that's what we did every night. And when the commercials would come on, I would say, that's what I want to do. I want to write commercials. I wanted to be in advertising for as long as I can remember. And uh, and so that's the you know, that's the path that I set out to do. That's what I went to college for. That's what I've, you know, that's what I've done. Planted, huh? mm-hmm. Yep. But no, never really thought about entrepreneurship. Um, surprisingly, even though, you know, having a role model like my dad. Right. That Which came is, much, came I am much surprised. later. Yeah. So, um, so you did the high school, uh, straight A student. Where mm-hmm. did you go to college and what was your life? Where'd you, where'd you move to? How yep. did all that happen? Speaking of football, oh. Eric, the University of Georgia. Oh, oh that's so painful. <laughs> That's so painful, particularly after two weeks ago. I am so, really yeah. hoping that this is our year. <sighs> Minor setback with Auburn, um, but looked pretty good last weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it looked great. Okay, next question. <laughs> so, what, what did was you the go question? To I don't even remember. Where, what did you go to the University of Georgia for? What were you thinking at that time? It was marketing. Marketing. Yeah, I've always right. had my heart set on marketing. And it was especially difficult for my family because my dad hails University of Florida. Ooh. My sister went to the University of Florida. My brother went to the community college next to the University of Florida. And then I went to the Arch. Oh, you're a defector. I am. Yep, I am. Is that, uh, for, is that from going to all those years to the largest cocktail party in the world right there at Jacksonville? Think, yep. that, yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, I think that did have a big influence. We went to the game every year. And I remember watching the University of Georgia women pour out of the buses and walk into the stadiums. And how we do football is a little different. We wear dresses and heels, sometimes cowboy boots. And it's like going to church. You have a date Right. At University of Georgia, when you go to a football game, a guy picks you up. It's it's a totally different vibe. And I resonated with that. 
I thought the women were beautiful and smart and classy, and um, I was just drawn to it. And so I went to visit, and I came home, and I said, Dad. <gasps> Don't break your heart. Oh, I got to go to University of Georgia. <laughs> and reluctantly, he sent me there, but it didn't take long before he came to visit. And uh, I think also took a look at the the smart, beautiful women there on campus there and said, you know what? You're right. I think this is a good a good fit for you. And it was. Cool. Yeah. So, you look terrified over there. Like. I don't know. If you're, I don't know what ball you're going to drop. <laughs> I'm good. I'm all good now. Okay. So, uh, so as you're approaching the end of your tenure at college, thinking mm-hmm. about the future, did you have a job lined up at that point? Uh, sort of walk us through how the, the progression took place. Sure, sure. So majored in uh, marketing, did a minor in um, business leadership, and it's a feeder school for big companies in Atlanta. And so similar to all my friends, I set my sights to to Atlanta. I didn't want to go back home to Florida. I wanted to keep the momentum going. And um, I, I approached a little differently. Um, I, I didn't know anyone in Atlanta. I didn't really have a network to reach out to or to get a whole lot of help. So I bought the book of lists. Mm-hmm. So every, every city has the book of lists. And it is usually the top 25 businesses in each industry. And I flipped to the page on advertising slash marketing, and I researched the top 10 companies, and I crafted a cover letter for each one, whether they had a position available on their website or not. And I said, if I'm going to go work anywhere, I want to be at one of the top 10. And I landed at the top three. Wow. On the list. Wow. So what was your first what was your first job? My first job was at an agency called Think Interactive Inc. Okay, it was a web design studio. We had clients such as Orkin, Sears, the Weather Channel and Vitamin Water. And they told me when they hired me, um, you know, for a whopping probably $15 an hour, um, they said, don't expect to get a full-time role. We, you know, we don't hire entry-level talent. You can come, you can make a little money, you can learn, and then we will help you find a home um, because we just don't hire entry-level talent. Um, and less than six months later, they offered me a full-time role. So I was a project manager there for about three and a half years. Very cool. By the way, in case you're wondering whose story and voice that is, you're listening to is that of Miss Melissa Barker, who's the founder and owner of Mel Barmar Marketing Firm here in Charleston, as well as the founder of the Women Entrepreneurs of Charleston, which we'll talk more about uh, in the second half of our show. Um, so, Melissa, you go to work in in big corporate America, in mm-hmm. big city Atlanta. Um, in terms of just growing up and thinking about what all this was going to be like, and then you arrive and you're involved in it. What was the maybe the the one element of that that didn't necessarily pan out the way you envisioned it? Sure. You know, I think I probably would have thought I would have continued to climb the the corporate ladder, so to speak. Certainly everything was panning out that way. I was at, um, you know, I was at the only agency in town at the time that was doing iOS app development. Um, we were getting bigger and bigger clients. The agency was was growing. And I thought that um, that was it for me. We had the, the ping pong tables and the, and the pool tables and it was creative and fun. And I thought that I would continue to do that. And then, um, one day the Coca-Cola company came to our agency and asked us for an RFP for vitamin water. And that's when 
everything changed because I really started to um, set my sight on working for a big company like that, kind of getting out of the agency scene and, and going and being on the client side. Oh, wow. And um, I was the project manager for the Vitamin Water account. And the guys said, hey, you got to come over. You got to come over and, and be on the global marketing team for Coke. And so I made the transition from where I was to there. Wow. So you got hired by Coca-Cola, another huge, huge, mm-hmm. huge company. And what did you do there? So I had an extremely unique role there. Um, at the time, the company was migrating from what they called a very local approach, where they were empowering all 206 markets to advertise for their brands pretty much independently. Right. So that means not only localizing for language, but cultural nuances. And at, the, at that time for marketing, the more targeted you could be, a more local brand you could feel like, the better the better off you were. The problem with that is when you have 206 markets executing some of these billion dollar brands, Coke, Sprite, Diet Coke, Vitamin Water, it became chaos because it was also the rise of the digital world, right? So now we have insight into what's going on in all of these markets. So Coca-Cola didn't have a single logo. They didn't have a single color of Coke Red. The packaging was all different and it was just, it was becoming a mess. So what they brought me in to do was to standardize our billion-dollar brand portfolio. So we actually wrote brand guidelines for all of the the major brands, all the ones you've heard of, to say, listen, it's one logo. It's one color palette. It's one tone of voice. Yes, we want you to localize and um, be relevant in your market, but it's a global world now. It's, It's digital. It's liquid and linked, right? Like there's no silos anymore. So we have to appear like one brand on a global scale with cultural nuances, um, and so that's that's what I did. I spent about six years doing that. I'm overwhelmed just hearing about that. It's because you have a turkey hangover. So, um, I can see it in your eyes. Uh, so when you look back, uh, Melissa, over your corporate experience, yeah. um, what would you share with our listeners um, who um, maybe they're out there today and they're in a corporation and they're mm-hmm. thinking about uh, leaving or starting their own company that when you look back, here were the maybe the top one or two positives of what you took away and learned from corporate, and then maybe one or two that uh, was an experience you'll just use as an experience. Yeah, sure. I mean, the you know the biggest difference for me is when you're in a corporation and you're supported, you have a tremendous amount of resources and you're surrounded by people and you're working on teams. Um, and it, it very rarely is a single effort, um, especially with all the amazing projects that I worked on at Coke. I certainly can't take single credit for anything. It's it's a committee. And in some ways, that's really good because mm-hmm. you have a tremendous amount of support. And especially if you're young and new, like I was, um, so I am, um, you know, that that's important. And then when you go off on your own and you start something, sure, you have vendors and partners that you rely on. But at the end of the day, um, it's really on you. So I think if you're in corporate now and you are entertaining the idea of going out on your own, you better learn as much as you possibly can and um, not only you know increase your knowledge, but make sure you have a really great network once you get out because you're going to need those people um, surrounding you. Sure. Entrepreneurship, especially in the beginning, can be very lonely, which is I, I can't wait till next week when we get more into the we of C because I think that that really helps with that. So after six years of Coke, what happened? So you talked in the beginning of the show about life changes yes, and how that that's a pivotal moment for most of the entrepreneurs that you talk to. Um, that was my case. 
I had a, a little blonde baby enter my life. His name is Wyatt. He's three now. And I woke up and said, you know what? Atlanta's not the place for me anymore. And uh, I wanted to raise him how I was raised um, on the water. Oh, yes. I didn't necessarily want to go back to Florida. Sorry, mom and dad. Oh, <laughs> um, and Charleston checked all the boxes for me because it was on the water. Um, it was still in the South. And um, I had been learning about the growing tech and startup community here. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I could raise my son in a really amazing city on the water and hopefully buy him a boat before a car, um, but also have an opportunity to take the tremendous amount of experience that I had at that point and bring it to the, the startup scene here. So that's what I did. And the trek leads to Charleston. All As roads usual, lead. Right? All road leads. To As all usual. roads. Yes, lead to Charleston. So when you look back over your journey, um, before we dive into uh, really your your current marketing firm, um, and you think back to you know growing up, going to school, working for corporate America, who would be the major influences in your life that along the way gave you direction and wise counsel? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go with my mom on that one. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to have mom. to go with my mom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it was just that same idea. Um, she, Sorry, Dad. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and hopefully, I gave Dad's. him. I know. Hopefully, I gave him enough credit in the beginning because I because yes. certainly the business that I run now is very heavily influenced, I believe, by watching what he built and grew. So certainly, there's a, there's a place for him as well. Um, but I think you know, my mom raised two really independent, strong-willed women. Um, you know, her, it was. It was do it, try it, go. Who cares? The worst they can say is no. You know, right. I wasn't held back from anything. Um, you know, you you want to be an actress, which is what I wanted to do for a while. Do it. You know, she mm-hmm. never said, "Oh gosh, Melissa, you know how hard it is to do that." I mean, do you know what the chances of you actually becoming famous are? You know, it was like, cool. There's an audition in Miami. Let me drive you, you know, nine hours down the coast to do it. And that was. Um, that was just a way of life. And now I, you know, to be an entrepreneur and to say, hey, I'm going to leave the comforts of a corporate job and I'm going to move to a new city and, and start my own business and try and pay my own bills doing it. I have to look back at her and say, the reason I have the Constitution to even dare right. is because of that upbringing. So, yeah, I'm going to have to get that one her. And for those people that are listening who are thinking about the entrepreneurship leap, what is uh, maybe one or two things that you learned in making that transition that people maybe that were what might have been a mistake or that you must do before actually quitting your job and moving to the coast? Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that um, we may make a mistake in doing is we think because we're really good at our craft that it's a good way to make money. But what I've learned is that, um, yeah, I'm a damn good marketer, no doubt. Um, and when I started my business here and it was going through its highs and lows, because what I do can certainly be very seasonal, um, I thought the way to get more clients or to make more money or to be more successful was to continue to become a better marketer and to hone my craft. And certainly in any business, you should always be looking to improve your product or service. That's where you should go to first. But I think for a lot of us, it's it's actually looking at our skill set as a whole and not going, okay, I'm a, I'm a really good wealth management 
um, advisor or I'm a really good market marketer, but do you have what it takes to run a business? Do you know how to, to budget? Do you know how to manage people? Do you know how to build a, t- a pipeline? You know, do you know, um, do you know how to stomach <laughs> the lows, you know? Um, and I think those are the things that I would say, if you're not comfortable in at least managing your own books, you know, or you're not comfortable in sales, um, you know, get get comfortable with those things first. You know, make sure that you um, have a really well-rounded skill set, at least a foundation before just striking out on your own and thinking that your craft is going to take you all the way. So for, that's great advice. So for you, uh, it wasn't only a move of careers going from corporate to entrepreneurship. It's a move from Atlanta to Charleston. I mean, it was a lot of new, right? Yes, lots of new. Um, and, and so how do you um, what advice would you give in regards to knowing that it's the right time, right place, right thing to do? Ooh, that's, that's a good a one, one huh? because I don't think I knew until later. I think it, it was a total leap of faith for me. But one thing is I knew the motivation was pure. Um, clearly, the move wasn't motivated by money because you don't you don't quit the Coca-Cola company. Right. Um, you know, if, if it's all about finances and, you know, as a mom, if you put your children first, you really can't go wrong. And that's what the move was all about. So um, I guess it's it's a little bit of a gut. But when you start getting validation later, which I have when I watch my son play on the beach or we're out on our boat, um, you know, that's when you know you did the right thing, not because you feel it, but you're you're watching the fruits of your labor um, come to life around you. It also ties in with that. I love that saying of uh, don't worry too much about making the right decision. Make the decision and make it right. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what it feels like. So whichever path we go, just yep. go make it the right path. It always works out. Right? Sure. Yeah. That's a that's a good one. Now, was did you have this company, Mel Barmar, in mind before you came or, or was that something that was fluid? Like what was in your head when you made this decision. Yeah. So I tell this story a lot, especially when I'm talking about the women entrepreneur group. So when I moved here, no, I I actually had in mind that I could go to work for a company for their marketing arm or for an agency. Um, But what I realized, which you can't always glean from, you know, doing your research over the internet, you know, six hours away, is that there was a tremendous salary gap here. And even when accepting maybe a director level position, I was looking at a $50,000 pay cut. And as we know, Mount Pleasant is is the least expensive place to live. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that was a real um, fear for me. And that was a, that was a real challenge that I faced. I was really excited to be living in this cool new city and had all these aspirations for my son and went, Oh my gosh, (laughs) am I going to be able to afford to live here? And so my business was actually born out of um, a way to cross that chasm and go, if you can't give me the salary that I that I need to live the quality of life that I want, um, the only way I'm going to get it is to start my own business. How awesome is that? What a great uh, story. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but what a great place to end. I know, exactly. Like, <laughs> next like week. it says, uh, you want to hear the rest of the story? Yeah, you got to come, come back next Saturday morning, 830 to 9, to listen to Melissa Barker, who's the founder of Mel Barmar Marketing Firm, as well as the uh, Women Entrepreneurs of Charleston. Melissa, thank you so much for that uh, 
great story today. Look forward to hearing the rest of it next week. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Follow us on Facebook at Beyond the Business. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Join the Christian business movement. Visit sc-c3.org. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group. If you're a successful business leader or entrepreneur and would like to be featured on a future program, send an email to rick at cfpgroup.biz. Listen in next Saturday morning at 830 for Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC. You've invested countless hours and dollars building your business, and now your investment in your business has paid off. But did you know that according to Business News Daily that more than 60% of small business owners planning to leave their business in the next 10 years don't have an exit strategy? Hi, it's Rick Durkee of the Coastal Financial Planning Group. Let me ask you, have you planned your personal financial future wellness as well as that of your business? Have you established a succession plan for your business? Have you developed a plan for your perpetual legacy? Join me for a free discovery workshop to develop the best strategy for your business. BEST Business Exit Strategy Timetable. Call now and I'll send you an invitation by email to learn how to develop your business exit strategy timetable. Call 843-735-5065. That's 843-735-5065 for this free discovery workshop on how to develop your business exit strategy timetable. 843-735-5065. If there was a critical missing fact that was costing you money now or would cause you a problem in your future, when would you want to know about it? Hi, it's Rick Durkee. Join myself and certified financial planner Frank Hutto for a two-day educational course in December titled Roadmap to Retirement, and it's to be taught at the North Campus of College of Charleston. There's no fee to attend, so call now to register, 843-735-5065, or visit our webpage at retiresoon.biz. That's keywords, retiresoon.biz.